section forty six of mrs diamond this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox org mrs diamond by anne isabella thackeray ritchie book four chapter twelve at the terminus bar we the gates check we and chain we and each chine stop that no light leap in at louvre nor at loop and thou ashtaroth hoot out and have out our knaves brimstone boiling burning outcasted all hot on their heads that enter nigh the walls set bows of break and brazen guns and shoot out shot enough w langley ward's english poets the station was shut the doors and windows seemed closely barred but as they looked they saw a side door which was held cautiously ajar adolph kicked with his foot and in a minute they were let in within was a strange scene of crowded confusion and excitement baggage in piles people in groups clinging together women wringing their hands and weeping men gesticulating in one of the waiting-rooms there was a crowd round a wounded man in another a woman in hysterics did you see nothing cried half a dozen voices as susie entered following adolph we saw nothing at all we met nobody anywhere said he what is the matter with you all then they were told by a dozen voices of a fight which had taken place only a few minutes before in the open place outside the station some of the federal prisoners were being brought up to the station to be taken to versailles to be judged it was a grave affair they were accused of participation in the murder of the generals the federals had made a desperate attempt to deliver their men from the hands of the escort the escort had driven off the attack and fought its way into the station the prisoners were all now safely shut up in the railway carriages and doubly guarded the federals had retreated whether for good or whether they had only gone for reinforcements it was impossible to say adolph's face fell though he tried to look pleased they are all on a wrong scent cries a man in his shirt-sleeves they have got hold of papa caron among others who never touched a fly i saw the man who struck down clement thomas i should know him again he is not one of these the old man was lying on the ground they struck him down with the butt-end of their guns there was a murmur of horror all round as the narrator a natural dramatist as most frenchmen are threw up his arms and reacted the dreadful scene susie turned sick with horror your train will be starting in about ten minutes her companion was beginning when suddenly his tone changes take care take care this way madame cries adolph suddenly thrusting himself before her up up on the seat with a sudden cry the crowd began to sway to fly in every direction the great centre door of the station trembled under the blows which were being struck from without there was a brief parley from a window a man standing on a truck began to shout let them in they want to deliver the prisoners they will hurt nobody 
a woman close by screamed and fainted as susy was stooping and helping to pull her up upon the bench the two great folding doors suddenly burst open letting in the light and a file of federal soldiers marching in step and military order adolphe who had thrust susy into a corner of the salle now helped to raise the fainting woman with susy's assistance as she stood on the bench out of the rush of the crowd while he and his haut made a sort of rampart before them don't be frightened he said no one will fight the prisoner's escort will see it is no use making a stand against such numbers pardi they are off he cried excitedly for as he spoke the engine outside gave a shrill whistle and started off upon the lines susy from her place by the window could see the train slowly steaming out of the station there was a wild shout from the spectators what was it that susy also saw through the barred window by which she stood half a dozen other heads below were crowding against the panes which looked to the platform she saw a figure surely it was familiar to her it could be none other than max who was flying down the lines to the signal posts and in another minute the train still snorting and puffing began to slacken speed then finally stopped then backed then stopped again the danger signals are all up they don't dare advance cried some of the men at the window this is it bien trouvé look out madame what do you see cried adolphe eagerly from below meanwhile the detachment of federals still in good order still advancing came on lining the centre of the hall spreading out through the door on to the side of the platform along which the versailles train had started there was a second platform on the other side of the station from which susy's own train to rouen and havre was also making ready to start it was curious to note how methodically common life went on in the midst of these scares and convulsions suddenly susy with a sinking sickening heart realized that the moment for her own departure had almost come again she thought of max's note and of his promise alas alas it had not been fulfilled no joe was there if she went she must go alone all was too rapid for her to formulate either her fear or her hope but while she hesitated there was a fresh stir among the crowd and a functionary's voice was heard shouting passengers for rouen and havre en voiture you see it is all right said adolphe cheerfully you'd better go madame i will wait here in case your son should come to send him after you he is big enough to travel alone said the young man nodding to reassure her though he looked very pale and his face belied his cheerful words she was in utter perplexity she knew not what to do what to determine of one thing and one only was she sure max had promised to find joe to save him and he would keep his word yes it would be better to go on her presence was but an encumbrance max could help joe that much she knew what could she do but add to their perplexities the fainting woman was already reviving susy sprang down from the bench with adolphe's help and as she did so she heard another shout a loud cheer the crowd swayed between the ranks of the soldiers came the triumphant procession of federals with their red scarves returning from the platform and at the head of it caron 
borne in triumph on some of his own workmen's shoulders half a dozen liberated prisoners were marching after him shouting wildly and tossing hats and handkerchiefs caron who had been a prisoner among the rest was smiling undisturbed and quiet as ever and bowing and softly waving his hat to be safe mattered little to him but his heart was overflowing with grateful pride and pleasure at the manner of his release the rally of his friends the determination with which his workmen had united to defend him against his enemies filled his heart with peaceful content mrs dymond speechless open-eyed was still looking after him with breathless interest and surprise when her own turn came her own release from cruel suspense a hand was laid on her shoulder she was hugged in two strong arms and fairly lifted off the ground and joe grinning delighted excited and free was by her side once more i am going back with you mrs dymond said he it's all right i've got my return ticket he has given us trouble enough cries max coming up behind him breathless and excited too for heaven's sake carry him off at once now you have got him it is time you were in the train the troops may be upon us again he is not yet safe nonsense i was safe all through said joe laughing but we know caron has enemies lucky for him max remembered the danger signals all the time joe spoke du parc was hurrying susanna along towards the platform for which the rouen train was starting it was approached by a turnstile where they were met by an excited functionary who let joe and his return ticket through the turnstile but angrily opposed the passage of adolphe and the luggage it was no use waiting to discuss the matter the man was terribly excited and time was pressing take the bag and find some places max cried handing the things over the barrier to joe susy paused for one minute good-bye adolphe she said i shall never forget your kindness never never then she raised her eyes looking steadily into du parc's face all the passing flush of success was gone from it he was drawing his breath heavily he looked anxious harassed susy too was very pale and she held by the wooden barrier i-i can't leave you in this horrible place she said passionately how can i say good-bye and as she spoke she burst into uncontrollable tears he took her in his arms then and there before them all who cared who had time to speculate upon their relations i shall come to you don't say good-bye he said we are not parting and he held her close and breathless to his beating heart and then in a moment more he had put her away with gentle strength and pushed her through the gate the wooden turnstile was between them his pale face was immediately lost in the sway of the crowd a dozen people came between them she found herself roughly hurried along thrust into the first open carriage joe leaped in after her the door was banged afterwards susy remembered it all at the time she hardly noticed what was happening there were other people in the carriage some sobbing some talking incoherently all excited exasperated incoherent c'est trop c'est trop c'est trop one man was shrieking over and over again i can bear no more i am going yes i am going i am leaving this accursed city another young fellow leaning forward with his face in his hands was sobbing audibly he was oddly dressed in the fashion of the first revolution with a high robespierre hat and big flaps to his coat joe was very silent and sat for a long time staring at his 
fellow-travellers it was not till they reached rouen and the reassuring german helmets came round about the carriage windows asking what had happened in paris that jocelyn began to talk to his stepmother he had met caron that morning after he left them at the villa and was walking with him from the station when they had both been suddenly arrested together with a young man who had only joined them a few minutes before they were not allowed a word they were hurried off and all three locked up in a guard-house where they were kept during the two days late on the afternoon of the second day they were moved to a second corps de garde on their way from one place to another they fortunately passed marney in the street i shouted to him said joe for i knew he would let you know and i knew he had been at work when caron received a message through one of the soldiers they were most of them half federals that we were to be rescued i don't think he or i were in very much danger joe added but the third man had been a soldier and would have been shot so caron told me afterwards he was a fine fellow half an englishman they called him russell or some such name oh joe i've got you safe said susie beginning to cry again i can't think i can't speak i can't feel any more why should you said joe practically give me your ticket for fear you should lose it and then he settled himself comfortably to sleep in his corner smiled at her and pulled down the blind susie could not rest she sat mechanically watching the green plains and poplar trees flying past the window she was nervously unhinged by the events of the last two days the strain had been very great she longed to get back to silence to home to the realization of that one moment of absolute relief she felt as if she could only rest again with phrasie in her arms only thus bear the renewed suspense the renewed anxiety but she knew at the same time with grateful indescribable relief that her worst trouble was over now even though prison bars distance and our nation's angry revenge lay between her and that which seemed so great a portion of her future life circumstances were changed from the day when she thought she had parted from max for ever tempe was married her poor mother was gone the boys were no longer dependent upon her for everything joe was a man now and able to make his own life good they reached home on the evening of the second day the carriage was waiting at the station with phrasie in it the drive did susie good after all these tragic distorted days during which she had been living this double life little phrasie blooming and happy was her best peacemaker a gentle wind blew in their faces a gentle evening burnt away in quiet gleams the sky was grey and broken the soft golden gates of the west were opening wide and seemed to call two weary spirits to enter into the realms of golden peace the hedges on either side were white with the garlands of spring the dogs who had been set loose came barking to meet them as the wheels turned in at the familiar home gates the servants appeared eager to welcome joe silently gave the reins into the coachman's hand and sprang down and handed out his stepmother with something of his father's careful courtesy little phrasie delighted to be once more at home went running from room to room calling to joe and to her mother as she went it was home susie felt and not only home but a kind tender home full of a living past with a sense of the kindness that was not dead phrasie was put to bed dinner was laid in the library for the young man and his stepmother joe sat still silent revolving many things in his mind 
from a stripling he had grown to be a man in the last few weeks his expedition his new experience tempy's marriage his own responsibility all these things had sobered him and taught him to realize the importance of the present of other people's opinion of his duty to his neighbor his neighbor at that moment was his stepmother sitting in her accustomed place here we are beginning our life together again mrs dymond said he at last we get on very well don't we very well dear joe susie said smiling and so we shall until some one who has more right to be here than i have comes to live at the place what are you talking about says joe blushing up i don't mean to marry for years to come if that is what you mean ah my dear said susie with some emotion make no promises you do not know you cannot foretell one can never foretell he looked hard at her he guessed that susie had not come back to them as she went away she turned a little pale when she saw his eyes fixed upon her it seemed to her as if her story must be written in her face she might have told him she need not have been ashamed but she felt as if his father's son was no proper confidant long after joe had gone to bed she sat by the dying fire living over and over those terrible days those strange momentous hours End of section. 46.